Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Welcome to the Illuminated Podcast. My name is Devin Morris. Our, my audio might sound a little off today. I am on a trip with our youth group and do not have the normal equipment I usually use. So apologize for uh, bad sound quality. But our scripture today comes from Exodus chapter 12, verses 29 through 51. Long section. Uh, We'll read it and pull out some applications. Let's go. At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt. There was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Go, go out from among my people, both of you, and the people of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their, so- on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was, not, it, was the, it was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is a statue of Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it. But every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. This is the the, the exodus. We finally get the exodus in a, a momentous occasion for the, the people of Israel. The Our context is the, the 10th plague. It is struck. Pharaoh's awoken. He notices his firstborn is dead. He has to not only summon his prophets, but there's kind of the embarrassment, the irony of he now has to call on Moses and Aaron. He wakes up in the middle of the night and summons them to come. 
to him, and it's it's this, hey, you can have your people go, get out of here. He says that while also asking for a blessing. So there's irony all throughout this first couple of verses that we're reading. Uh, it's interesting that uh, the Israelites were able to gain favor in the Egyptian in the eyes of the Egyptians to where when they go to leave, all of their provisions come from the Egyptians. And so that's you get in 1236, thus they plundered the Egyptians. Uh, it's a, a large group of people, uh, 600,000 men. Uh, you're going to get a lot of conflicting viewpoints here from historians and archaeologists who try to discredit the account because they have trouble finding evidence of such a large exodus. Um, but there's other things to point to that could push one to go either way on the argument. And I was in a, um, a class a couple of weeks ago and kind of the, the topic of apologetics come up came up. And uh, I love what my professor said. And it kind of put me in my place as far as my thinking on archaeological evidence and, and different things like that. He said there's there's always enough evidence co- to convince and there's always enough evidence to condemn. And uh, I thought that was really great because, man, if this is all built on what evidence I can find um, and that's where my faith is held, I- I'm going to be pretty rocky. I'm going to be really shaky in, in my belief in God. Um, our God is so great in in many ways but there is a greatness to his hiddenness and what that means for us in our faith journey as well but that's a quick aside kind of the primary portion of our text is this institution of the passover and what this means a a large portion of what we read has to do with if anyone can partake of this um, passover meal with the israelites and the requirement is that all the males have to be circumcised. You have to actually enter into the covenant before you can partake of what is essentially the covenant meal. And so that's why you have a lot of churches that, that do practice a closed communion. And that all that, that means is not anyone can come in and take the Lord's Supper. Uh, that's not a, the type of church I grew up in. It's not the one I currently worship in. Uh, but there are churches who do that. And you might find some uh, typological reasons to do so from a passage like this where God says that it's only people who have entered into the covenant through the covenant ritual of circumcision can participate in this covenant meal of Passover. All of that makes sense. What this kind of goes back to, especially from a, a Christian standpoint, the broader principle there is um, the rules and regulations and stipulations and boundaries all set forth and needed for community. And we really forget that in church life. Church really quickly just becomes something that um, I participate in um, for ethical direction, is something I participate in simply for friendships and fellowship. And um, notice neither of those things are evil, inherently evil. Uh, but they're not what church is is supposed to be on their own. If you're seeking church out for either of those two reasons or uh, any other uh, false or shallow reason that you know you or I could come up with, then it's not church. It's not the community. It's not who we are supposed to be. That's why God is going going to in a couple of chapters here is set up the Ten Commandments and set up all of these laws and bylaws for. The Israelites to follow and obey is because a community needs boundaries. 
if a community doesn't have boundaries, it really no longer becomes a community. It's just this amorphous blob that people can flow in and out of. And it's something that our churches often forget. Um, that's why we're told to, to hold one another accountable for sin. We're, we're meant to hold one another accountable for uh, our walk. We get really tied up in the idea of individual faith, and we forget that our faith is more communal than it is individual. You know, God calls a group of people. He predestines those in Christ Jesus. It's not so much an individual faith as it is a communal faith. And if it is a communal faith, it necessitates, it implies that there are boundaries that one has to enter into in order to be in the community. And it means that you can step outside those boundaries and no longer be in the community. What the Ten Commandments and other laws that come with it entail is uh, how you hold one another responsible. How if someone's not keeping up these stipulations, how you're supposed to push them out of the community. Uh, Communal life is a real serious business. And when you lose it, when you lose that those boundaries and when you lose those um, requirements for ad- admission, um, you really lose all sense and purpose of what the community's uh, original call and mission is. And that's what often happens in a church. When church discipline doesn't take place, when people aren't really aware of what one another is going through. And that tends to be the problem, right? Is we probably are okay with church discipline. We're okay with rules and stipulations and boundaries. But often the, the big problem is we don't know one another intimately enough to know one another's situation. And so then it becomes this messy thing of, well, I don't think I can involve myself in my in their life in that way. You know, I might, I might upset them or that can't be an excuse. If we're in community with these people, we should know one another intimately. We can have relationships with people that we can emphasize these these same stipulations and boundaries that God does. Really interesting uh, passage of Scripture. It brings up a lot of good questions, a lot of good things that the church should always be thinking about. But I hope and pray that you are looking for ways to love and serve your neighbor in genuine and sincere ways. Peace and love.